You're listening to the Being Stellar Podcast, the podcast for modern leaders and entrepreneurs who are tired of hustle culture and ready to invite more ease and more prosperity into their lives. I'm your host, Deborah Stellingworth, master teacher and coach, and I am obsessed with helping you avoid burnout while you create a sustainable lifestyle full of possibility and profit on your terms. On the show, you'll hear inspiring stories of possibility, and you'll get empowering strategies and insights from me to support you in creating your stellar life. Welcome to the Being Stellar podcast. I'm so excited to have you back here today. And with us in the studio is my good friend, Shauna Moran, who is a remote and hybrid team workplace expert. She's an international public speaker, an author, an executive coach, and her award-winning executive coaching agency, Operate Remote, empowers leaders and their remote teams to create and build more emotionally healthy, engaged, and sustainable organizations so they can scale and grow with confidence regardless of their location. And because Shauna works with organizations that are doing remote work, and so many of us have change the way we do our business because we are working remotely. I thought it would be so great to have her on the show. And also she's just recently published her new book that's called Managing Employee Burnout, How to Develop a Happy, Healthy, and Engaged Workforce. Thank you so much for being here and welcome to the Being Stellar podcast. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so delighted, always delighted to chat to you, Deborah. And our conversations are always you know, very authentic and super in-depth. And I always leave with a ton of inspiration. So it's always a pleasure. Oh, fun. Thank you. And and thank you for sharing your inspiration with my audience today. So um, Shauna and I first met actually because we were both speaking at an event for women in real estate. And right away we connected over fashion because both of us really love fashion. And we are both really committed to helping our clients and whoever else will listen to avoid burnout. And so I was really excited to connect with Shauna and she is a a real expert in her field. She has personal frontline experience with working remote that actually occurred before the pandemic. So this book was actually in the making and your work was in the making long before we knew that this was going to be a reality for how many of us were going to be working. And so I'd love for you to start us off, Shauna, by telling us the story of where you came from, because you came from a a recognizable international brand, and I'll let you say what that is, um, and had some great experiences and insights to bring to that kind of remote work and international scale when you're working in different time zones. So tell us about that story. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would love to. So for me, I started working remotely, oh, it must be about seven, eight years ago at this stage. And I was working remotely from the west of Ireland. And I remember, you know, being approached about the job uh, and it was fully remote. And I thought, is this real life? You know, it was when people were were working remotely back then, it was brushed under the carpet. You know, it, it people didn't want to say they worked remotely because there was a stigma attached to it. There really was. And I'm so glad we've evolved from that time. But I was very, very excited about working remotely. And um, I started working for a company called Shopify, which some of your listeners may be familiar with. And I worked remotely for them for a couple of years and I headed up their partnerships department across Europe, the Middle East and Africa. So I managed tech relationships, agency relationships across those industries and really enjoyed remote working. You know, it allowed me freedom, flexibility. Um, Again, you know, some of my highest values still to this day. But I also experienced a lot of challenges when it came to remote working. And, you know, by the age of 26, I had burnt out three times. And the reasons for burning out were different each time. And that to me was really interesting. And I share this in my book, you know, the the different types of burnout, because burnout doesn't come from just one particular issue or, or problem. It can come from a multitude of issues or problems. And it's a systemic issue. It's not necessarily an individual problem. 
So that prompted me to go back to university while I was at Shopify and I started to research remote teams to uncover what it was that created thriving distributed environments. How do we connect people? How do we maintain a culture? How do we create transformational leadership? How do we create engagement? What are the processes, the strategies, the technologies? And that's essentially how Operate Remote was created, was through that research and through me sharing my knowledge, I had all of these tech companies and agencies coming to me to say, Shauna, I don't want to talk about e-commerce anymore. I want to talk about remote teams. And that's when the seeds were created for the business. And quite quickly in working with a lot of these teams, I realized that it's not just the consultancy piece that matters. It's the emotional intelligence. It's the mindset shifts. It's the new perceptions that are really going to shift engagement and reduce burnout in these remote teams. And that's when I went back and I qualified as an executive coach. And it's still applicable to this day. You know, I'm still offering coaching and working on those mindset shifts on that emotional intelligence lens. And we've seen that over the last three years, you know, it's not necessarily about what we do, it's how we do it. And that really is at the core of, of my work as a, as a remote and hybrid team expert, if you will. But at the end of the day, it's helping people reach their highest potential and come back into, you know, their awareness to understand who they are, what they want, how they're showing up and how they collaborate with others, whether mm. that's across, you know, a, a couple of different time zones or we're in the office once or twice a week. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's 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 my passion and, you know, my mission, my my personal mission in the work that I do is I, I reduce the Sunday scaries. I, I want a world where nobody has to sit on their couch on a Sunday evening finishing their last episode of Netflix with that dread and that pit in their stomach that Monday is just around the corner. I, you know, I have been there. I've been there plenty of times and a lot of my clients have. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I want to create workplaces where that doesn't exist, where people matter, where their work matters, where they're recognized, where they're appreciated, where they can thrive, where they can do work that feels meaningful to them, where they're fully supported and treated fairly where they have flexibility to live into creativity. So that's really what I what I do in all my work. Okay, so good. And there's so many things in there that are, I wanna pull out, but I'm gonna start with this, these two. One is that clearly you're living from your passion. We, we've talked about being in your zone of genius and your highest purpose, and it's so amazing that you're a model for what it is to create work. Now, I want the listeners to note that you probably didn't go, you know, at five years old, I'm going to be a remote hybrid worker when I grow up. And then I'm going to be a remote hybrid coach, consultant, right? And so I think the lesson here is that we're in a world that's so quickly changing that we get to create and invent our roles in the world to meet needs. And so that's really, really important. And the, the other thing that I want to just pick up on what you said is like having people being able to not fear that going back to work, to creating that environment. And so what advice would you give to team leaders? Because many of my, my clients, or sorry, many of my listeners are entrepreneurs, not all of them. So I have a large entrepreneurial audience and entrepreneurial professionals. And also many of the people who listen to my show are leaders of small teams. And so by given the nature that the teams are small, they're often remote. So top three pieces of advice you can give a leader to really support their remote team or remote mm -hmm. hybrid. Great question. And even for those of your listeners that are entrepreneurs and don't necessarily have a team right now, I'm sure at some stage they're going to have more people that they're collaborating with, right? So mm -hmm. it's still applicable and it's still really good to know. So sure. talk I have I have my team is remote. I've got my my VA, my video editor, my accountant. I don't meet with any of these people in person, right? So we all have that. Even as solopreneurs, you have to think of your team in a different sense. You yeah. do. You absolutely do. And leadership, I'm glad you started there, Deborah, because Leadership accounts for up to 70% of variance in employee engagement. Mm. So through so leadership. Put that down and explain what you mean by that. That leadership 
counts for accounts for 70 percent of variance in, in, in how in, exactly so leadership and management is the quickest way that you can increase engagement on your team and by engagement i mean satisfaction their uh, motivation with their work their ability to share ideas or brainstorm or problem solve so to be engaged in their work leaders account for up to 70% in variance of that. So leaders are the the quickest way to increase that engagement and can also be the quickest way to decrease that engagement too. Yeah, we've all been in that setting we've where all been there. A, a leader comes in and can sink a ship that's been doing fine for 20 years. So I have a specific example in mind. So yes. me too. We all have our examples and good to remember those examples, right? As we're leaders ourselves and even reflecting on those experiences. Mm. What were the actions that this leader took or the behaviors that they demonstrated that diminished the trust in those relationships? So what are the most important things that leaders can do in relation to improving engagement on their team? Most people are struggling with heightened workloads. Most people I work with, most professionals, most leaders, team members, it's a constant challenge, right? You know, there's a lot going on in the the economic climate right now, which means resources might not be as high. People are having to take on more work. There's also a lot of concern, a lot of fear. Right. And there has been for the last three years. So people are dealing with a lot and mental health and burnout has been hugely impacted. Mm -hmm. So for leaders to support through that, it's not that we have to become counselors or psychologists. We're not equipped and trained for that and we shouldn't be. But there are a couple of things that we can start to do that will actually have an impact on our team. And the first thing is quality, consistent support. So quality, consistent conversations. So having that regular one-to-one time and maintaining that time in the calendar and looking at how as a leader, can I develop my coaching skills to make that a really meaningful conversation so that I'm not talking about, hey, what's the update on this project? What's your next steps on this? That should be all documented somewhere else. Conversation should be focused on your team member's agenda and what they need from the conversation. That is going to increase engagement and it's also going to help you identify any problems or red flags before they become an issue. So you're not surprised when Sally hands in her notice tomorrow right? Because you're already having consistent conversations, you're building trust, and they have a safe space to share if there's any frustrations or issues. So really, the most important thing that leaders can do to engage their employees is to see them as human beings and make space for them. One of the things I've learned from you, and I was thinking about as you were sharing about how to engage and where to keep the information about what task needs to be done or what's coming up in the, the organization or in the, um, the projects you're working on is in that asynchronous communication. So I've actually, rather than insisting on meetings with my, my assistants and my VAs and whatnot, is I'm starting to make that really intentional effort to make videos and send them with instructions or to send a text message or to write a note for them somewhere where they can find it when that time works for them. So, and that's something that I learned from you in one of our earlier conversations. And so um, really that's such great advice to move that kind of conversation and start with what does this person need? You know, and I, add, I would always, I always tell people too, and I do this with my own um, team members when I meet with them, we start with a personal update. So tell me what's going on with you. What's, what's something that's happened for you? It could be something that's fun. It could be something that's challenging, but just to spend, take that moment to get to know them on a personal level. Yeah. So important. And, you know, honestly, when I've worked with leaders and I've coached them to be coaches, because that's what I do with leaders, um, You know, they've held space in one to ones where they open up conversation and topics come up that they never would have guessed their team member was going through. Mm -hmm. And that is the the wonderful thing about trusting safe spaces. So thinking about even if I am working remotely, how am I having an open door to, to to my team? Not where 
they're asking me all the questions all of the time and I'm I'm exhausted by trying to swoop in, fix and save, but that I am creating that space where if something is wrong or before something goes wrong, should I say, they feel like they can they can connect with me and they can reach out and have that conversation. Um, it's, about and, it's about empowering your team members. Yeah. That's what true leadership, effective leadership does, it empowers. Exactly, exactly. And I, I ran a workshop today around building high trust relationships. And, you know, one thing I asked the participants was, what's a way that trust is diminished very quickly? And one thing that came up was leaders not being consistent with their one-to-ones or rescheduling them or canceling them or not prioritizing them. And it's a, it's, so it's really, really important, you know, that we, that we prioritize that. We, we keep that safe. That time is their time. Yeah. Yeah. Want people to feel valued on the time you set aside for them. So good. Okay. Take us on to number two. What's our, that was our number one was. Number two is around workload management. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the time when I'm working with professionals, leaders, their teams, they don't understand what their capacity is mm. and what they're, they're not realistic with the amount of tasks that they're going to get done and what they're planning to do. And this is where overworking can come in. This mm. is where people start to feel overwhelmed. They're struggling with prioritization. You often get this with people that have a tendency to be people pleasers as well. They say yes to every single thing and every single task. So creating first and foremost as a leader, a place for you to manage your workload. Mm -hmm. A Kanban board is a great example. It gives a visual where you have a task list. I would recommend having it on a platform. There's so many free platforms mm -hmm. like Notion, there's ClickUp, there's Asana. There's so many, right? But getting it into technology, out of your head and into a centralized place, you can put pen to paper afterwards. And having clarity on the types of tasks the name of the task, the type of task, the timeline, when it's due by, the duration of how long that task might take you in estimation, uh, what's in progress, what isn't, that's going to put you in a more empowered state as a leader mm -hmm. to be able to prioritize changes when they happen, to be able to delegate. Really, you should also have this on a team level as well. Um, yes. And then your team can start to do this on an individual level. And what happens is two things you're getting asynchronous communication. So you don't have to update each other in a meeting to say this has been done and this hasn't. Everything is in there. Everybody can see it at any time. There's transparency, there's trust. Mm -hmm. And the second thing is, as I said, you're empowering people to be able to make better decisions for themselves. So your team member can come to you and say, Deborah, I know that there's these two tasks and they're both priorities right now, but based on the timelines and based on my current capacity, I'm not gonna be able to do both. What do we need to do? So then we can problem solve. Right. And exactly. Having those meetings we talked about in your, your first point leads to that safety to be able to say, I can't actually do this. And what I've learned from my experience as a leader and also in being on a team is that a weakness that of leaders that can really get in the way of the success of the team is that as leaders, we can overestimate how much someone else can get done, right? Because oh, yeah. we have, especially if we have no sense of our own time, but we then especially think that somebody else can do it faster, right? And so we want to be really aware if we have that tendency to overestimate what we can get done in a certain amount of time, that will translate to you double overestimating with your team members. And so we've got to really watch that. And I love the idea of having a platform. I use Notion myself, mm -hmm. love it. It's changed the way I interact with my team members. It's changed the way I organize my business and it's free up to a certain point. Um, and yeah. Monday.com is another one that I think is amazing. And Asana that you mentioned, there are several. Um, and having that in place to support workload, workload management, so important. And if you're struggling with workload management yourself and you're either a leader or an employee, listen to this, this is what coaches help with is the, because workload management is really, and I think you'll agree with me on this one, Shauna, it's about boundaries, 
right? If you're able to set boundaries, if you're not, if you're a people pleaser, you might struggle with this, but setting boundaries and being able to safely say, I don't have capacity for this right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's about boundaries and it's about high levels of self-awareness and greater levels of self-expression and assertiveness in some cases. And oftentimes I see with people that actually, you know what, it's, it's not even about boundaries. It's, it's about process because mm -hmm. things are muddled. And sometimes that comes from the top. I, for example, a client of mine recently, you know, we surveyed the team and there was a lot of feedback from the team that they were struggling with their workload. They were overwhelmed. They were struggling to prioritize. And when we looked at the process from the top down, it wasn't effective, right? So it needed to be changed top down. The, the, the C-suite didn't know what priorities were. It was in their heads. It wasn't articulated anywhere or transparent anywhere. So how can we expect our teams or leaders to be able to facilitate meaningful conversations if, if our C-suite don't even know? So it's, it's looking from the top down as well and making sure that that process is there. And it can be a lengthy, sticky process to try and, and, and put this into a tool, but it's going to be so worth it. And research shows us time and time again, workload management, one of the most effective ways to engage your team and reduce burnout. Yeah. So, so what you're saying then is that a one hour wellness workshop once a year isn't going to do the trick. Oh, no. I know, that's, and, I know that's, a, that's a sticky topic for you. So tell us about that, because I know that's something that really um, you have to educate organizations about yeah. that. Yeah, it's not about the, the wellness workshop is a Band-Aid solution. We've got to get into the processes and systems mm -hmm. and the, the dynamics of leadership and how that the messages and vision are communicated as well. Yeah. Yeah. And thanks for bringing that up. It is a sticky topic for me because I am so passionate about it. And the reason I'm passionate about it is because I see so many organizations waste so much money on wellness benefits, wellness workshops, all of these things. And it's not a holistic view of wellness. It's not taking into account the self, the leader and the organization, which are the three pillars I cover in my book. It's it's a band-aid, as you said, Deborah, and it's like, okay, we'll do this wellness workshop and this will help our team feel better in themselves. Not taking into account maybe those people are in back-to-back -back meetings all day, every day, and don't have time for a break. Uh, By the that, way, yeah. if that's the case, you need remote first processes. Your processes are broken internally. Yeah. That's a huge pet peeve of mine when I'm talking, when I'm coaching people in leadership situations and they're like, I'm back-to-back -back meetings. I'm like, well you know, the organization isn't doing it. And so I, I work with them to help them set their own boundaries. And that's challenging in the face of an organization that doesn't have that, that, you know, we have this thing about no meeting Wednesdays, right? And yet people are booking meetings and, you know, there's gotta be consistency for there to be trust and safety to put some parameters around yeah. and limits around your meetings. So yeah, yeah thanks for yeah. Yeah. And, you know, then you have the likes of Shopify recently that cut all their meetings um, with any meeting with three people or more. It was just absolutely cold from the calendar. So that's the other extreme of it, which I guess it might be making a point where we start to really value each other's time. Uh, mm -hmm. But at the same time, there's there's probably going to be a lot of information and important knowledge sharing lost through that as well. So on an organizational level, this is where I would work with head of HR, uh, VP of people and support them in really bringing in um, holistic processes that are going to work on multiple levels. We mm -hmm. have to have a shift of our mindset around how we value time within our culture and the importance of time. We have to train people on asynchronous communication so that they don't feel they have to be in meetings. You know, we need to create ownership and accountability around how meetings are ran. So there's a lot of different things um, that come into play there. What's your third point? You say leaders take this away. So, and I, I struggle to condense it down to three, but I'm going to bring this up because it came up in conversation twice this week already, and it's only Tuesday. So clarity on roles and responsibilities mm -hmm. sounds basic, but 
Think about it. You created a job description or someone in your company did for your team members. They were hired. They've been there for a while. Their role, their responsibilities have changed more than likely because that's the type of world that we live in. When is the last time you have gone back to support them in gaining clarity around what is expected of them and what success looks like in their position? Mm -hmm. So when I spoke about this twice this week, one conversation in particular was someone that that was experiencing anxiety around their productivity mm. and they were doing, 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 and they had an underlying fear of, am I doing enough? Because they weren't clear on what success looked like to them. And this mm. was actually from a leader and therefore they weren't able to give that clarity to their team. So when we're in, and this is actually our nervous system. So when we're in rest and digest, in that mode within our nervous system, we're much more creative. We're much more able to think logically, okay? Mm -hmm. And be present in that moment. When we're in fight or flight, things are erratic and we might find it hard to think straight. So think about maybe if something's happened at work or there's a fire to put out and everyone's going a little bit crazy, right? We're in that fight or flight mode. Probably not best to make decisions or, um, you know, think about our life purpose in that moment, but really thinking about when we have clarity on our day to day, this is what's expected of you on a weekly, monthly basis. Here's let's co-create a 30, 60, 90 day plan when you join our team so that you can feel confident in what you're doing mm -hmm. and that you can just go and you can thrive and you don't necessarily need that reassurance because there's that open line of communication for us. And P.S. This is how you're going to be measured and this is how performance reviews are going to be done. And also this is how promotions are going to be done. So it's mm -hmm. like we can breathe with that, right? Because we know, okay, these are the top three things. This is what I've been measured on. And anything I do is, is reflected back to that North star. So we're always looking for certainty when we don't have it, our survival brain gets triggered and that's the yeah. cause of stress. So often as we don't know, am I doing enough? What do I need to do to get that promotion? What do I need to do to be finished. What does done look like? What does success look like? And we don't have that certainty. And those are just several different examples you gave. And if on all those fronts, we don't have certainty, it's no wonder we're going to feel anxiety. Even if we're not thinking about it, there's this low grade humming anxiety in the background running as your survival brain's like danger, danger, danger. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So be the leader, be the leader that creates that clarity, that co-creates that, that says, look, I know things have changed since you joined the team, since we revisited this a year, two years ago. Let's talk about where you're at. And also let's, let's look at this as an opportunity to say out of all these responsibilities that you are currently doing, what feels the most exciting to you? What motivates you the most? Not that we can take everything else away, but we can, I can know this as a leader and as a manager. So mm -hmm. I know that if I have to delegate something to you, I know that you really enjoy strategizing mm -hmm. with our customers, right? So you're going to get energy from that, which means you're going to be more engaged. So using that time in a really conscious way is, is going to be really beneficial for you as a leader and for your team. Mm -hmm. And I love how you brought that back to the beginning, right? Is that if you know, if you give your, your employees and your team members or yourself, if you're on your own certainty, then you will be aware of opportunities to engage, right? Because we're, we're engaging with that person already. We already know because in step one, we've engaged with them. We know what they care about. And in step three, when we give them clarity, we'll already also know what they care about, what they're good at, what inspires them. Because organizations that are doing like literally world changing things like Google, I'm going to use Google as an example, because they're doing things in their organization to experiment with employee engagement and creating opportunities for, if you qualify, you get 20% time where 20% you're not going to do anything but a fun project. And some pretty cool things have come out of that 20% time that Google allows um, their, their team members mm -hmm. to have, right? Um, like some of the team members on Google who were really interested in astrology, um, astronomy, astronomy, sorry, not astrology. I was like, astronomy. ooh. <laughs> 
<laughs> created this app that you can point your phone towards the sky and map what constellations are above you. That yes. came out of 20% time. So I want to encourage our listeners to think about if you could give yourself or your team members an equivalent of that 20% time, and even if you can't do that, to give them the clarity about what needs to be done for them, that then there might be some space for creativity because they have the clarity. Imagine what might be possible for you in your business and yeah. in the culture of your organization. Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, I, I know you're familiar with it, Deborah, but the, um, the zone of genius matrix, zone of confidence. So, mm -hmm. you know, what's in your genius and you can Google this and you'll see it, but what's in your genius. So the activities in which you excel at and keep developing, you know, those activities where times fly when you're feeling energized by it. We all have those tasks. What's the excellence area? So you excel at them and you're recognized as an expert, but it doesn't necessarily challenge you intellectually and it doesn't really give you that level of satisfaction and then we have the incompetence which is activity which I struggle to accomplish and which I do not like and then we have the competence so the one the activity which I achieve to a reasonable standard and that others can do just as well it brings me little to no satisfaction so doing this with your team is a great activity mm -hmm. you know and, and getting them to do a first draft and talking through it and what I worked with a client before where they had all their team do this in this matrix and then they looked at okay well Deborah doesn't like editing podcasts but Shauna True. really loves that she loves mm -hmm. editing can we swap mm -hmm. is there an opportunity to swap so there might become you know there there might bring it might bring forth opportunities for your mm -hmm. team and for you to even further increase engagement there's a really fun exercise that comes to mind, actually, and you may pr probably be familiar with it, but it's where you take that thing that you're doing that's in your zone of competence or maybe even zone of incompetence, because when you're doing things that are in your zone of incompetence, it will stress you out. And I'm not talking about the things that you're like, you just don't know how to do and you, and you have an opportunity to learn how to do them, but the things like no matter how much you practice, you're never going to enjoy doing them, right? So, mm -hmm. but having, bringing the whole team together and then putting one thing that you would love to get rid of on a piece of paper and then you put it in the middle of the table and then you don't leave the meeting until, until all of those have been picked back up by somebody else mm -hmm. or some solution has been created to handle that task. There's a really fun way to kind of gamify it a little bit to yeah. build culture at the same time as you're dealing with this redistribution of tasks in a way that's going to um, honor you. Right. And, and make it pretty happy. Like I did that mm -hmm. recently. I realized the reason I don't wasn't doing a lot of presentations anymore is I hate setting up the the planning for it. I hate setting up the LinkedIn and Facebook and Eventbrite. And I so I wasn't doing online presentations because I hate doing that. I redistributed that task. My VA does it now. And wow, look at that. There's a ton of presentations and things happening in on my calendar for my community. So that's yeah, fun. Great. Good for you for identifying mm -hmm. that. It can just be that one shift. And look at the impact that's going to have on your business. Exactly. Yeah. And my, and my, my community, which is the most thing, right? It's like, mm -hmm. I knew I wanted to share that. So again, yeah. it's when we're talking about leaders, we can so easily start thinking about, oh, leaders of organization, they're leaders. They have the role and we're all leaders. Let's make sure that we're clear on that. We're all leaders. And so even if you're a solopreneur, you're a leader because you're leading, you're the boss of your company, and you're probably the primary employee of the company at this point, right? So if you're, if you're just starting out or you've been uh, in, a, in a profession where you're a solopreneur. And so, you know, it's owning that leadership is what's so key here. I also want to go back to something you said before, Shauna, because you and I have talked about this before, and I think it, it bears uh, fleshing out a little bit because there's a lot of confusion and a lot of people talking about coaching and being coaching. I'm a leader. I'm coaching people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as coaches who are trained specifically in coaching, you and I, we, we distinguish between some of the coaching that we've seen happen in leadership and the actual coaching, which is supportive and holding space and asking questions more than giving instruction. I mean, coaching in this sense is not 
you know, like on a football field where it's not like, oh, hey, how do you feel about uh, whether you're going to throw the pass this way or that way? It's no, you throw the pass that way. That's the play we're doing. Whereas mm. in the coaching for us, it's more about checking in with that person. And, and historically, what we call coaching today was just called leadership. So you yeah. can self-coach by being a self-leader. Mm-hmm. So you want to add yeah. on to that? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, everyone uses the term coaching now and it's, it's dissolved the effectiveness of it and it's dissolved what it truly is. And, you know, when I work with leaders, they say, oh yeah, but I know coaching. Like I coach my team all the time. And why are you, you here then? You have label coaching on it and make it turn into coaching. Right. It's just it's micromanaging. But also, you know, how is that going for you? Yeah. Right. That, that, that coaching. And I don't necessarily think it's a leader's fault either. I think that mm. it can come from the pressure of performance and the expectations and just the general stress that an organization can be under to achieve targets. It can be very difficult to be able to hold space for another person where we allow them to think for themselves without giving them advice. So that is what holds us back from actually meaningful coaching. But what I always ask leaders is, you know, leaders that tend to give the answers. I call them the swoop in and savers or, you know, swoop in and fix it. And that can be really powerful when things are on a tight timeline, when things need to move fast. But what is the cost of doing that long term to yourself and for your team members? The cost is you're probably exhausted as a leader from fixing all the problems all the time. The cost to your team is that they're not actually empowered to reach their highest potential because they're reliant on you. And they're not thinking through their own solutions, their own answers. And that's where their growth happens. So I always recommend to leaders, look, coaching and coaching all the time might not be possible, but maybe you bring one one-to-one per month and you open up the floor to say, what could we explore today in a coaching environment that's going to be supportive for you? anything at all what is it that's the main priority for you right now or what's the biggest blocker getting in the way of your success mm-hmm. that's coaching so yeah. you know thinking about what's realistic for for you based on what's coming up in your team and how busy things are i think is 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 really important as well and then having the framework for for coaching principles to understand what really coaching is and how you know it's actually working so good And you and I both do that, working with leaders to help them be better coaches. And it all comes down to the language we use, right? The the questions we ask, the language that we're using, and making sure that we're not, as leaders, telling or giving advice. And remembering, I really appreciate what you said before, like it's not the leader's fault, right? That they don't have the training. Uh, They're under similar pressures, right? It's just all different levels of these pressures. It's a systemic issue a lot of the times. Um, And we all have to take responsibility for ourselves. So we can't blame our leaders and they can't blame the circumstances. We all have to at some point take responsibility. So um, you've given us so much value about how to show up and support our teams, whether this is remote or not. This is wisdom that crosses all types of working, right? This isn't just about remote. And then can we, you talked about asynchronous communication. So I'd like to a little bit more, can we make that real for the listeners, how to do that? So I've mentioned video, you've mentioned Notion, but can we like make some really specific examples of how to really really support a a remote team and how that would really work work so asynchronous communication for those who haven't heard of it before is communicating in delayed time so you're doing that anyway you're doing it through the documents you share your project board if you have one even your emails your slack messages the problem with asynchronous communication is it can be overwhelming and it can be of poor quality so looking at currently First thing I would recommend, where are we sharing information and just sharing information that's important, but maybe doesn't need to be shared in real time. And how could we move that to asynchronous communication? And one of the common, most common things that I work with teams on is around 
you know, their stand up, whether that's daily, whether that's weekly, moving that from an in-person meeting to a Slack channel or to a document or a project board, and then using some of that time that they would have spent updating on actually brainstorming or problem solving their blockers. So what we're doing is we're looking at quality conversation that's going to engage people and that's actually going to really move the needle of what you're trying to do as a team. And it's in a more flexible way. So people are supported in their work-life integration. So that's the first thing. The second thing I would recommend is for people to start to look at emails and the do's and don'ts, the best practices of emails and Slack, if you're feeling up to it, or Microsoft Teams, whatever you're using, or Google Chat. Um, But looking at what are the time wasters? So simple things. I worked with a team on this. We co-created it together. And this is what I do. I facilitate the co-creation of these best practices and these processes. And one thing, and I still work with this organization, about two years ago, we ran a workshop and I put it out. What's the pet peeve on Slack? What's the thing that's taken our time? And so many of them chimed in and said the ping ping. So it's where somebody sends a message and they... They, they send it, right? And then they send another text and they send it. So it's one sentence, one sentence, one sentence. But the receiver on the other end of that is getting ping, 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 ping. Plus their visual is seeing the red dot. And if you've ever watched the the documentary, The Social Dilemma, it talks about how those, how technology, and yes, it's wonderful, actually is set up to distract us and and send our nervous system into fight or flight that's why people are getting interrupted and distracted all the time so thinking about what are the best practices that we can leverage as a team to prevent and minimize that interruption so that we can create more calmer environments most people are using asynchronous communication it's not necessarily about adding more tools or technologies on it's about improving what you have Mm, so good. And I'd love to transition that to best practices for entrepreneurs, solopreneurs like you and me. So I have some of my practices. Let's share our practices. So for you, what is your best practice that you would recommend for another entrepreneur around emails and those other kinds of communications? So good. And I could nearly do a 45 minute episode on this alone, but For me, taking time to to manage that workload and get clear on priorities, 30, 60, 90 days, dividing that into tasks, looking at what are the things I wanna achieve each week versus what are the things I wanna achieve every, every day. And I look at that the evening before, what are the top three things that will move the needle for me? Looking at minimizing that disruption. So I check my emails twice a day only um, looking at everything is on do not disturb mode. I don't get any notifications. So, you know, it's wonderful. And that's the way I work. And I check my phone maybe three, you know, three times a day. Um, again, I think that I'm not perfect and I'm constantly having to hold myself accountable. I think settings on notifications and our technology can really support us, mm-hmm. but it can get, we can, it can be a rabbit hole. And, You know, I think it's important for us as coaches to be talking about that and making it real, not saying we're this perfect person that looks at our phone once a day. You know, it doesn't happen. Like a lot of our business is on our phone. What's it called? That timer thing. Screen time. The screen time. I need that on certain things because otherwise I will go down a rabbit hole. And so because as aware as I am, I have the same kind of brain as the rest of you. Right, we we all have that same kind of brain that is really sucked in to the addictive qualities of the images and the sounds and all the things that we see when we open Instagram or YouTube. Exactly. Right? So I have the timer on. It's interesting because when I do a post on Instagram, most of my posting is done by my VA, um, but my videos I have to do myself. And I find it's interesting to me because I'll do a five-minute video, but by the time I've done the hashtags and the comment and the uh, description or the caption, mm-hmm. I get the insight timers going on, the, the timers going on, time's up. I'm like, wow, that was 15 minutes. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. we tend to think, oh, I'm just gonna do a quick video on Instagram. It'll only take a minute. It's no. 15 minutes. Right? It takes so a lot. Yeah. This awareness of the time suck. 
Like you, Shauna, I also have uh, some plans and, and best practices around emails and other social media engagement. And I have, I've been using a bullet journal for years. Uh, this is my new one that I just bought that matches my new wall. And for those of you who are not list, watching this on video, you're listening to it, it's like, I have a teal wall now behind me and a teal planner. Um, my actual planner I'm using right now is in the other room because I have it out in my main space because I always, first thing in the morning, I look at it, last thing at night, I look at it and I plan for the day. What are the main, what are my appointments? What are my main tasks? And what are the emails that I must respond to? And I do not open my email in the morning until I've done my morning routine, I've looked at my schedule again, I've looked at my priorities, and only then will I check my email. And I check mine probably three to four times a day um, because of the nature of my practice and the way that I interact with clients, sometimes over email. And so the, but I'm very intentional about that because it's so easy to go down this hole of, oh, I don't know what to do right now. I'm just going to check my email and let somebody else dictate my schedule. And then of course we start feeling unproductive because what we thought we were going to do today, we don't get done. We wonder why. And it's usually because we've actually transitioned over to somebody else's agenda for us yeah. without even exactly. noticing. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, we're in that state of reactivity. Much of the world is in that state of reactivity. And that's the biggest skill that we can or the best skill that we can create over the next few years for ourselves and develop and hone is the ability to be able to switch off the noise and deeply focus. And I call that deep work where we can get into something and and really focus on that and something that inspires us and that's going to be worth it and and that's going to move the needle and not be distracted by those things and I also talk about it in my book as well, you know, that we're in a world of shallow work. Yeah. You know, that's the problem. We have to set up structures for ourselves. One of the things I do is I will set a timer. So you people have probably heard of the Pomodoro timer of 25 minutes. Um, You have 25 minutes that you're working and then you have five minute break and then you go back to it. I use that. I actually often determine my timer by how much time do I have? How much energy do I have? So as I'm writing my book, I have an hour every morning and I set the timer across the room. So I have to get up and go shut it off when it goes off. Um, And some days I'm like typing away. I'm really in the flow and I am, the timer goes off and I'm like, shut up. I want to keep going, but I can't because I have to go see clients now. And then other days I'm looking at that timer going, oh my gosh, is it finished yet? But here's the thing is that I've made an agreement with myself to stay there for that full amount of time. Yeah. And doing that has been made all the difference. It means every day I move a little closer to, to getting my book right. finished. Exactly. Right. And it's even if it's only 20 minutes today was 20 minutes because I had a, just one of those nights where I just didn't sleep. So I chose to sleep in this morning. And then when I got up and I looked at, okay, what needs to be done before I meet with my first client? I literally only have 20 minutes for my book. Okay. Set the timer, sit down, do whatever you can in that 20 minutes. And it was amazing. I got some really cool things happen in that 20 minutes where right. I could have said, ah, oh, I don't really have time for that. So that exactly. deep focus work, that deep work, it does require practice and discipline and some structures for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. does. And for me, like, you know, I need to have time where I'm not on calls and I, I have Mondays and Fridays mostly as my flow days and I call them my flow days. I think it's important as women that we are attuned to our own cycles as well. Mm-hmm. The cycles of we're still in the depths of winter. It might be 2023, but yeah. it's still winter. Right. And and some people thrive more in winter. Some people people thrive more mm-hmm. in summer and spring. Right. So understanding the seasons around us, understanding our own cycle as women throughout the mm-hmm. month and what that looks like and our ebbs and flows of energy and allowing ourselves that flexibility if we are entrepreneurs and we have the ability to do that you know giving ourselves that grace when we need to but also holding ourselves accountable when we need to and it's that it's that beautiful dance is is what I'm always in right and I think we all are always in and it's making conscious choices in the moment as to what's going to best serve us but also showing up for the things that really matter yeah 
And it changes, and that's the thing where we have to be disciplined and, and, and adjust because it does change over time, right? Yeah. I, I'm a hibernator. I need more sleep in the winter. I just got off a call this afternoon before we got on this call with a client who's like, she's a hibernator too. She's really struggling. Like her priority right now is sleep. And so that's what we have to allow for, knowing that the light is coming. Even today, I'm looking at my window. The sun is shining in Vancouver. It's coming. And we've got to be aware of that season. So... Yeah. and allow it and enjoy it and you know we are we are animals right like we are human beings like most animals are hibernating right now go out into nature the forest is quiet there's nothing blooming there's nothing growing mm -hmm. so trusting in you know for your client and that sleeping like doing that and allowing that and understanding that that is nourishment that is going to reap benefits for you in the spring when you're ready to to step out in whatever way that is. And I were this is a big shift because I've had a lot of those conversations recently too in January with a lot of clients. Yeah. yeah. And you know, I, I started tracking the moon about a year ago, maybe longer and yeah. getting my clients to do that too. Track the moon, see how you react because there's, there is two cycles, right? Of the moon. You're either going to be energized on the full moon or energized on the new moon. Yeah. And so learning which one are you? Because in agrarian cultures, before there was light everywhere and artificial light, there were two cycles because you can't have all the women menstruating at the same time because then they're all going to be out, right? So you'd have some people that were on the new moon, some people on the full moon. So knowing which is your cycle. Yeah. It's interesting. Like I have no energy on the full moon. Some people are crazy energetic. I'm not, none. I'm Whereas the opposite. The, yeah. Yeah. The new moon. Let's go. Right. Well, I shouldn't stop yeah. my fingers, but yeah, let's go. We're in the new moon. I'm like, yeah. energy, let's go. I can create anything. And yeah. knowing that is super, super empowering. It is. It is. Yeah. And it all comes back to understanding yourself, right? Like, which yeah. is another theme that we've spoken extensively about yeah. today. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, that's honestly, spoiler alert. And we're going to give you pull back the curtain between behind what we do as coaches is we help you to understand yourself so that you can operate whether it's remotely or in your own life, more efficiently and effectively and joyfully. And that's what we're about. Mm, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Thank you so much for joining me today. I love our conversations. Uh, good stuff always comes out of them. And I know that there'll be lots of great learnings and takeaways for our listeners today. So thank you for being here. We're going to end with my rapid fire questions. Oh, yes. Okay. All right. So yeah. rapid fire question. Number one, Star Trek or Star Wars? None. Neither. <laughs> okay. We'll still be friends. There I is know. a right answer to this. And I, and I realized before when I, when I started asking this question, I thought it was either or. There's two kinds of people. There's three. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I'm the third. I'm like, mm -hmm. I haven't watched either ever. Okay. <laughs> and it, I think it says a lot about people. So my next question actually is loafers or lace ups? Loafers or lace up lace ups. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Are you in agreement? <laughs> I'm in agreement. Now that doesn't, that still, I'm not going to, we're not even going to get into what it tells you about people, but it tells you something if you're a loafers or lace up person. Yeah. Okay. A uh, favorite place to visit. Ooh. Come back to me on that one okay. <laughs> next year. Yeah. Well, let's just say that you recently bought a home on Bowen Island. I did. Yes. So yes. I'm guessing that you're really enjoying. Like, I'm really. That's your favorite place to visit because you don't want to leave your home right now. I know. Well, I do. I'm getting the travel bug again, and I have some awesome. cool destinations for 2023 that I, I, yes, that I'm planning. So. Okay. Wonderful. Well. Tell us about the scariest thing you ever did. I think I know what your answer is, but let us know. What was the scariest thing yeah. you ever did? One of the scariest things was moving to Canada in the middle of a pandemic, not knowing if I was going to get through the border or not. Yeah. But I did. I'm here. Yep. Did. <laughs> Three years and later. Yeah. All the adventures that happened along the way. So, yes. yeah, when I first met Shauna and I heard that story, I was like, this is someone I want to hang out with because she's got an adventurous spirit and she's willing to take risks and do things that shake up her life. And, you know, I really, really admire and respect that about you. Thank you, Deborah. That's lovely. So lovely. Mm. All right. Non-negotiable self-care ritual. 
Mm, getting out into nature and breath work. Mm, nice. Yeah. And I know that you do some breath work on another arm of your business. You've got a I do. branch. Of yeah, business. I do. Oh. I do. And, and I'm, you know, I'm bringing it into leadership and teams. And, yeah. you know, I think a lot of teams are getting to that place where they, they understand that that supports them in their yeah. productivity. Breath work is not some crazy woo woo, you know, spiritual thing. It's breathing. And it's like, we have benefits when we move our body the same when we, when we bring breath into our lives. So I'm so glad you're bringing that into that yeah. setting. Yeah. And so, you know, we have to, because it's not the yeah. mind that's going to solve burnout all the time. Sometimes it's the body, it's the body that yeah. holds it. So yeah. yeah. Calming the central mm -hmm. nervous system. Mm -hmm. All right. The book that you were most inspired by. So this is the book that, and I'm going to pick one. If you were tasked to bring one book on a shuttle to Mars because you get to put one book in the library that I'm creating up there on Mars. What was the book you would add? Mm, apart from my own book, <laughs> joking, I haven't actually, <laughs> I, I'm not reading my own book all the time. Um, it would have to be Bringers of the Dawn um, is one of my favorite, favorite reads. Okay, nice. Yeah. Bringers of the Dawn. I have not heard of that one. So yeah. is that fiction, nonfiction? It's, it's fiction and um, it's more of a kind of awareness book, self-awareness book. Nice. Um, yeah, more of a conscious book. But that for me was, was hugely life-changing. Yeah. Lovely. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm in the, uh, I'm the lookout for a new book right now. Yes. So that'll be my next one. I'll let you know. Yes. When do thank you for that recommendation yeah. um if you were a city who would you be i wouldn't be a city i would be probably an island <laughs> ah right yeah or a forest or an ocean <laughs> well it kind of a little bit like bowen island to me so yeah, yeah. <laughs> a forested island with an ocean surrounding it Wonderful. yes um something you haven't done yet that's on your dream list Right now, I am planning to hike up Mount Shasta in Washington. So that is something I'm looking forward to um, planning. Um, it's not too much of a hike, but it's more than I've ever done. So Amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, you know that I, my business name when I first started in coaching was the Stellar Life Project. It's since become my signature program in my coaching. Um, mm -hmm. But if you were to call your life or your business by the name of a project, what would your pro your, your name be? <laughs> I heard my mother's voice there, which was interesting when you asked that question, but it involves a curse word. She's Irish. Um, and it's like, get up and just go, right? Like, okay. go after your dreams. Like, yeah. go after what you want. Um, and yeah it's just that 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 co-creation of the life that you want right like to create that to go after that and to realize that um nothing is out of reach everything is possible everything is possible and it starts with you believing that right so it would be just a go out and f and get it project nice. yeah okay <laughs> that's fantastic <laughs> Okay, last question for you. Again, thank you so much for joining us. Success leaves clues. What's one clue or tip that you would leave for others who want to have a stellar life? Mm. Good questions. Get to a stage where you trust yourself more than anything. Mm. And when we trust ourselves, whether you're in a challenging situation right now or you are looking for more inspiration this year and you want to achieve bigger things, mm -hmm. it all comes down to trusting yourself. And that is something to practice every day. We don't all trust ourselves every day. Sometimes self-doubt creeps in for all of us. But knowing how you can shift out of that on a body-mind energetic level you know I think is really important even Monday morning I woke up and I, I had the ick right I was like uh self-doubt mind inner chatter and I was like okay what can I do about this because I know this isn't true and I went in for a cold dip 
And I was like, okay. And I did something difficult. And I was like, I trust myself to get into this water. I trust myself to do this hard thing. Mm. And I, I felt like a different person afterwards. And I share that because we all have those days, but trusting yourself and having practices that you can lean into around that changes it from it being a moment of that to a whole day, a whole week, a whole month, a whole six months of that. Yes. Yeah, we're never going to conquer that because our survival brain is always on the lookout for danger. So whenever we're trying something new, the icks are going to come up, the doubt's going to come up. So having, I love that, having something in place mm. that you can say to yourself or something you can do for yourself to bring yourself out of it. Such great advice. Thank you, Shauna. Yeah. All right, so where can people find your book? Yes. Which is, again, it is called... Operate. Managing employee burnout. Yep. So the, mm -hmm. the book is managing employee burnout. And uh, if you just even type managing employee burnout and Shauna Moore and you'll find it, it's on Amazon. I believe I sent you a link to the yeah, discount we'll code the as well. Yeah. yeah. So if anyone wants to purchase that, there's a discount code. And then if anybody wants to get in touch with me, it's www.operateremote.com. There's lots of freebies on my website. So if you're a leader looking to support your team around anything I spoke about, there's so many things you can download there. We also have an upcoming um, program for leaders, which is starting the end of February called Level Up Leadership where we bring mid and first time managers into a 12 month container and we go through coaching and training and uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, a really incredible experience. So that's open right now if anybody's interested and will be for the next few weeks. And yeah, if anybody has any questions, of course, connect with me on LinkedIn or Instagram. It's Operate Remote and Shauna Moore on LinkedIn. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you so much. We're going to bring this, this conversation to a close. I look forward to many more exciting, fun conversations so we can geek out over these things that we both really are passionate about. And thank you for the work that you do in the world. You are making such a difference. And thank you for sharing your time and energy with me. I so appreciate you. Of course. Thank you for holding the space and, and creating a podcast for vulnerable and authentic conversations. Thanks. <laughs>